You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. On your Bibles or in your device, go to Psalm chapter 34. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be walking through several psalms, and the great news is you're going to get to hear from several different people uh, through the month of July. Now, as you're doing that, I want you to think about the things that have gone in to shape who you are today. And there are so many factors. There are relationships. So you grew up in a family unit, in a home, good and bad, that has shaped who you are. Marriage is something that can shape you. The friends that you build a relationship with, that has an influence in who you are and, and the things that you do. All the things that we consume and the input into our lives, such as hobbies or entertainment, uh, even news, these are things that shape who we are. And then we have all these experiences that births and deaths, the schools that you went to, the career you have, there's all these factors that go in to creating who you are. And at the top of this list, there are two things that I believe shape who we are as individuals. And David is going to talk about both of those in Psalm 34. And it's the things that we fear and the things that we desire. And I would say it this way, that our lives are shaped by what we most fear and by what we most desire. In fact, this week, Marla and I have barely been kind of talking through this lot, and she was helping me kind of put some words together, making sure that what I was saying was, was biblical and also truthful, because we talked about not all fear is bad, and not all desires are bad. There is a right way and right things to fear, and there are right ways and wrong things to desire. For instance, this week in the news, I heard a story of a, a sheriff's deputy that saved a little girl in Knob. Noster, Missouri, and it's a real town. I looked it up, little bitty town, about 2,000 people, but this little two-year-old, they couldn't find her. So they got a search party together and went looking for her, and this sheriff's deputy showed up on the scene, and she noticed there was a pond in the next land uh, over, and so she immediately went over there, and there's where she found this two-year-old completely uh, stuck in the mud, almost completely underwater. Well, the little girl was saved and reunited with her family, but the officer was talking about the little girl just wanted to go for a swim. She didn't quite yet have the fear of, you know, going to a pond, a muddy pond where there are no adults, that that would be okay, that she didn't have the right kind of fear. But then we could talk about the fear of failure, not being good enough, being alone, losing control, these fears that can control us. But the second thing we've talked about is this, that our desires influence our fears and that our fears then impact our desires. And we get in this vicious cycle. Take like the fear of losing control, that I've got this desire that I need to be in control. So what do I do? I do all kinds of things that I do to gain more control hoping that then my fear of losing control goes away. But you realize the opposite happens. I have this desire to be in control. I've got this fear of not being in control. 
And then what happens is I act on those fears and desires. And as my desire grows for more control, so does my fear. And a person that is afraid of losing control do everything they can to be more controlling. But the fear doesn't decrease with more and more control. The fear only increases because there's more at stake. And we get into this vicious cycle. And I think it's the same with any fear and desire. So then I began thinking through this question of, well, then how do I not fear wrongly? And how do I not desire wrongly? And I don't think the answer is simply just don't be afraid or you just need to change your desires because we can't do that. What we're going to see today, the answer, the solution is actually to start a journey. And then I can't exactly tell you when, but there will come a moment that you realize that things have changed. And this journey this morning in Psalm 34 begins with an invitation, a journey to taste something. And let's begin at the beginning of Psalm 34. In your Bibles, it'll read this way. It says, of David, so we know who wrote this, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, And so that he drove him out and he went away. So here's what has happened. You have to go back to 1 Samuel 21. David, the shepherd boy that has killed Goliath, has been anointed king. And David's popularity is soaring through the land. And they're even writing songs about David. But as his popularity is growing, Saul can't stand this. So Saul's Fears feed his desires, and his desires then increase his fears. So he goes on a warpath and begins hunting down David, and David is running for his life. So for some reason, David thinks, I'm going to go to Gath. And Gath is the hometown of, guess who? Goliath. So he goes and is living in enemy territory. Well, it doesn't take long, and someone recognizes David. They tell the king he's thrown in jail, and it tells us in that passage that David begins to pretend that he is insane. He begins clawing at the walls. He allows spit to run down his beard. Well, the king says, you know, I have enough mad people to deal with, so let him go, and they do. And David goes off, and he hides in the cave of Abdullam. And that's where he is writing, he is pinning this psalm. So imagine being hunted. No place to hide other than a cave. No one you can trust, no one to help you. He had to be terrifying. Yet in the middle of this difficult time, David writes this psalm. And notice how it begins. All alone, sitting in a cave, no one to trust, no one to help, And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. So David commits to three things. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. Meaning in every situation, even being alone in a cave, his praise will be continually coming out of my mouth. And I'm going to boast in the Lord. And notice how every one of these are very personal. I will bless. My mouth, my soul will boast. 
But then he invites other people to join him, even though he is all alone in the cave of Adullam. Verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Let us make much of the Lord come together with me. Let's exalt him. And deep down, don't you want to be that type of person that no matter what is going on in your life or in the world, that you can bless the Lord, you will praise Him, and you will magnify and exalt Him. But I think we all know how difficult that is. So David is going to share how he is able to do this, even as he is hiding all alone, fearing for his life. The next three verses. He said, I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him, He says, they are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. So David remembers God's deliverance. In the forefront of his mind had to be the time from Goliath. Twice he has escaped Saul, and just recently from the Philistines in Gath. So he reminds himself of all of God's past actions in his life. But that isn't all. Then he begins preaching some promises to himself. In verse 7, he says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The angel of the Lord, the Lord himself, encircles that he is constantly watching over me. I think David's fears are real. But he reminds himself of the one who is watching over him. He encircles him. He encamps about him. is constantly watching over David, even when he is in this cave. Well, then he invites everyone on this journey with him. And I believe this is the, the crux of this passage. It's an invitation that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. So the invitation is taste and see, and the end result is that you will find that the Lord is good. But here's the important thing to know, is that the only way I think to truly experience, to know that God is good, is you have to take this journey. Someone can't take it for you. You have to be the one to taste for yourselves. And we begin this journey to see if God is truly good. And isn't that a question that we're always asking? Whether we voice it or not, there are things going on, and we're wondering, how is God good in this? So David has learned something about tasting in verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Meaning those who taste and see will actually find that they are lacking nothing. Coming from a man all alone in a cave, completely that's his only protection, the only way to survive, and he is sitting there saying, I lack nothing. Even the lions, the most powerful beast in the land, they will suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no 
good thing. Can you imagine what that must be like? That no matter what is happening, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, you are secure in knowing that I lack nothing. And David tasted, and he says, this is what I have discovered, that I lack nothing. Well, then he's going to move into a teaching or a wisdom section in the next four verses. He says, come, O children, and listen to me. And I will teach you the fear or the awe of the Lord. What man is there that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And he teaches by asking a question. He said, who desires life And to see many days good. Meaning who of you wants to really live? Who wants a long, joy-filled, fulfilling life? If that's what you desire, if that's what you want, it starts with a fear of the Lord. But fears and desires, I believe, are the biggest hindrance to that life. Of rightly fearing And rightly desiring only happens when we see God rightly. So David is going to lay out those realities. In verse 15, he says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Meaning, those who seek to honor God, God sees them and he hears them. But there's an alternative. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. But those that seek to honor themselves and those that seek to do evil and seek to do harm with their tongues and spread deceit with their lips, he says the Lord will remove the memory of them. They will be forgotten. But he goes on, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and he delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Meaning those that seek to honor Him, that seek after righteousness, the Lord is not only with them, He hears their cry for help. And the promise is He will deliver them from all trouble. But here's the word of caution. The journey of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good does not mean the absence of pain and and struggles, and even sorrow. The journey to taste and see that the Lord is good doesn't mean you're going to be given everything on your vision board. Because notice what David says next. Yes, the righteous cry for help the Lord hears. The Lord delivers them from all their troubles. He is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. But many are the afflictions of the righteous. But... The Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So it says it's not the absence of pain and sorrows or afflictions. But there is one that watches over and carries you, delivers you from all of them. So following God and honoring him, trying to do the right things, doesn't mean we never experience hardships or afflictions. Where we get everything we want, it actually means something far better. It means you get to know one 
the one that will deliver you through them all. Yes, we will experience afflictions, but they will not destroy us. That it's in that process you begin to see and believe that God is actually good. Because notice the contrast. Afflictions, for those seeking an honor and righteousness, you will be delivered, but afflictions will slay the wicked. To those that hate the righteous, they will be condemned, that their afflictions will crush them, and they will stand condemned. But then David closes with one more promise. He says, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned, that they will stand sure, they will stand fast, and are under no condemnation. So I want to circle back to the two things that I believe shape who we are. We are shaped by what we most fear and by what we most desire. Fears and desire. And David talks about both of them. If you read through this, you'll notice the idea of desires. David mentions it six times. Twice in the positive and four in the negative. He tells us that rightly desiring, it's going to produce a full and a good, meaningful life. It'll bless God and it will magnify Him. But he also talked about wrongly desiring. He tells us it's harmful and evil. But those in here and those listening, I don't think we're walking, we're going to wake up in the morning and think, you know what, I'm going to do a lot of evil today. I want my life to be filled and full of destructive, evil things. That's my goal today. Well, I don't think that's us. But I think probably there's a greater danger. Perhaps our greater danger is actually taking good desires and making them ultimate and controlling desires. That we can find ourselves taking good things and without even realizing it, we get to a place that we would say, unless I have this, I cannot be happy. And we get angry and we become controlling and we will do whatever it takes to get the things that we desire. And this has really been personal for me this week. I mean, there are some things coming up, and I think they're good desires, and I find myself going, I need that to be happy. So the journey to taste and to see that the Lord is good actually might look like this. It might be taking all of our desires, especially good desires, and a willingness to kind of unclench the grip that we have on them to make us happy. The journey to taste and to see that the Lord is good actually might be to loosen our grip on those, willing to lay that down that desire and to trust God's goodness, whether that desire gets fulfilled or not. But then he talks about fears. Nine different times. Three in the positive and six in the negative. And I noticed David doing three things when he's faced with fears. You see the first one in verses 1 through 3. He says, I will bless, I will boast, I will praise, I will magnify the Lord. That David overwhelms his fears with praise. He fights the fears with more and more praise. 
He overwhelms those fears by praising God for what he knows to be true about God's character. So the journey to taste and to see that the Lord is good is when those fears happen, is to fight back with praise. There's something I've been doing for several weeks now. I have a hard time sleeping most nights. A lot of times it's fears, it's anxiety, it's worry, or it's just can't let my mind rest. And so Marla came to me one day and she said, well, I've got something you should try. She said, when you go to bed and you close your eyes, take the alphabet, A through Z. And every night, take the first letter and think of something you can praise God for, you can be thankful for. So you start with A. One day it was, I had an apple that day. Praise God for the apple. Then you move on to B. Thinking of something that I can praise God or be thankful for God for that started with the letter B. And it has to be different each night. You know what? I've yet to make it past the letter J before I'm sound asleep and I wake up in a much better mindset. But fighting the fears with praise. But there's something else he does. In verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered and he delivered me. In verse 6, he says, this poor man cried out to the Lord and he heard me and he saved me from all of my troubles. So the journey to taste and to see that the Lord is good is when you're wrestling with fears is to recall God's past faithfulness. And that's what David does. And that's what God was telling Israel to do over and over again. Remember what I have done. He would tell them to take stones to the middle of the river to remind themselves or build an altar on the other side that when your children look at it, you would be reminded to tell them of God's past deliverance. Recording God's faithfulness in your life. Taking time to write those things down, remembering God's faithfulness. We fight fears With remembrance. But there's a third thing David does with fears. And you see it in verse 22. He ends this psalm by saying, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in his will be condemned. David knows afflictions probably more than any of us. And he probably knows that more are on their way. So David takes his fears, and he holds them up against a different perspective. Because he has every reason to be fearful. But David chooses to focus on something else. Because David reminds himself of ultimately what he knows in his sin, what he deserves. That he deserves to die all alone, starving, unprotected, in a cave, and to be completely separated from God for all eternity, and David knows that. But instead, God offers him redemption, refuge, and no condemnation. So the journey to taste and to see that the Lord is good is to remind ourselves of where we would be without God's ultimate refuge. As bad as things may get, as much fear as we have about what is going on around us, We need to be reminded of where we would be without God's ultimate redemption. So how do you not fear wrongly and how do we not desire wrongly? You begin on a journey. And I can't tell you exactly when it will happen, but there will be a moment where things change. 
So the journey is to taste and see. Go and experience that the Lord is good and to give Him an opportunity to prove it. So let's pray. Our Father, we desire lives and we desire a life and we long to see it good. But according to your standards and your desires, you have created us in your ultimate wisdom for the lives that we are living even today. And just back then is the same invitation to taste and see that you are good. And Lord, we need to repent for where we have wrongly feared and desired. Shape us with a fear that David talks about, a fear of the Lord, and that we would take our ultimate refuge in you, not in the things of this world and not in ourselves. Help us to taste and see that you are good. And would you lead us on that journey as we seek your goodness in our lives. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.